What's going on? It's the Away Days podcast. This is Nate, as always, joining me from Grandpa's Attic. I think that's like the name of a toy store, isn't it, actually, Lay? I don't know. It wouldn't be a bad one, though. There was one... (laughs) There was toys in the attic, which was in our hometown. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) I don't know. That's probably what you're thinking of. Really obscure reference to start the pod, but thanks for joining us. Um, Real quick, before we jump into it, I know it's been a few days, but how about them Bravos, Lay? Atlanta Braves, World Series champs, breaking the, uh, hopefully breaking the Georgia sports curse there for us. Well, hopefully they didn't break it too good. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if I wanna I don't know if I wanna see any more after that, but nah the the Braves, that was that was just fantastic. I couldn't believe I mean, I don't know how much you've kept up with baseball, but the the, the Giants I mean not the Giants, the um oh gosh, now my mind is <laughs> slipping up the uh the Texas team. Houston Astros, golly. Astros <laughs> Yeah, that's how to start right there. Nah, also known as the Texas team. The Texas team, yeah. It's not like Astros. there's another one in there. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean they've been hitting great all year, and I really was not super optimistic at the beginning of this thing. But the Atlanta pitching really kind of took over towards the end of that series, and you know getting it done that was awesome. I don't know, did you did you see the battery uh, during any of the celebrations? I saw. I had a few friends that went. Yeah, um, it looked like a good time. Um, but again, I, I like me some Braves, but it wasn't. I'm not the type to to go to a watch party for it or anything. But it was glad they won though for sure. Oh, yeah. um, nice to have some some local pride finally. Um, <laughs> hopefully the dogs aren't too far behind them. I don't know if you saw, but Blooper, mm. the mascot, and Jock Peterson were in oh, Athens. Yeah. That it's safe to say that <laughs> irritated me, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> well, at least you're not a Georgia Tech fan, because like Quavo, like all the Atlanta people come to come to Athens to support the college football team and don't acknowledge even the team that's right in the middle of the city. So, oh, I know. <laughs> Um, I was kind of I put up a Snapchat story of I don't know you probably you may have seen it um, during the game I just like took a picture of Blooper from the stands I was at the at the Georgia Missouri game but I took a picture of Blooper from the stands and Jock Peterson and said Georgia Tech would never but I was hoping to trigger one of our I was hoping to trigger Ferg one of our buddies yeah. but he didn't he didn't swipe up nobody swiped up so I guess I guess he couldn't mm. be asked to uh, to get mad but because Lath you took freaking ages to get set up uh for the pod tonight we're starting recording a bit late and we're we got a big monday night uh football matchup looming here that's fantasy intensive for me as i uh we'll talk about that in a little bit later but may have to speed run through a little bit of the the soccer stuff um, which we tend to do a lot anyways but i want to get <laughs> go ahead and get st- <laughs> want to go ahead and get started here um in college football because the sec lay that's our conference our native conference are uh, definitely the one we keep the closest eye on and when you know both of our teams that we support um you know reside in the southeast but it was looking like going into this game that the conference standings were kind of starting to you know shake themselves out the better teams separating themselves but don't know so much after this week start with alabama number two going into this game looking unconvincing and a close home win against lsu um i know i got i had a horrible betting weekend and we don't have enough time for me to to talk about those <laughs> but one of the things i had was the over in total points in this game that didn't even get close as neither offense um, really were able to get going but um bama looking looking not great um so Lath, off the back of that game as we kind of we've got three weeks left in the regular season um 
Bama has Arkansas at home next week, um, then at Auburn to end the season. Well, I thought there was three weeks in the season. Does Bama usually take their bye before Auburn? Maybe that's why I think they only uh, Yeah, games. they usually do a bye or just like a uh, like a little team. So I think it is about yeah, three. They may, they may have like a New Mexico actually. I don't think about it. But anyway, yeah. Arkansas then at Auburn to end the season. So does this result for Bama change the way you think they'll end the season? Are they still – are you still as confident that they'll be the team to come out of the West? Uh, I'm not – well, <laughs> it's funny because to say I'm not confident in them being the team of the West would require an Auburn win. So, and I don't know, I don't know how confident I am in that, but you're right. I mean, they looked vulnerable in this game. Uh, no, like I think they held Robinson to like 18 or 20 rushing yards or something like that. I don't remember, but I mean, this was a game, I guess you could say, I mean, Ordron, obviously he didn't have a lot to lose, but I still thought that if LSU even was to cause a threat, I figured it would be a high scoring affair. I mean, this has been, other than that Florida game, this has been the only other time that we've seen that. Alabama offense stifled so now there's proof that it can be done and I mean defense is the only basically the only strong part of an Auburn team right now so it's looking like while we may not be favored there is a chance well way to just derail Alabama conversation make it all about your team all right well it kind of I know I know know, that's kind of the that's kind of like what it comes down to at this point because really Auburn Alabama game I don't see Arkansas going into Tuscaloosa and beating them, although I certainly didn't see LSU playing them as close as they did. But you're right. I think it's going to come down to that Auburn game at the end of the season. And, you know, was hoping that that would have a lot bigger implications than it probably will now. Um, Of course, it's still a must-win game for Bama. But Auburn, had they gotten a win against Texas A&M last week with the potential to play themselves into the SEC title game, but now with three losses, two in conference, um... A and M handling Auburn at you know in College Station was at twenty to three, something like that, or I don't know. Yeah, twenty to three is the final score. Um, So Auburn missing out on a on a chance to keep their race to Atlanta hopes alive, but that sets them up nicely to do what Auburn likes to do best, and that's play spoiler, um, especially when it comes to to Alabama. So give you a little bit here to talk about what you saw from Auburn from Auburn in that SEC West game because guy, yeah, that was the game of the week and. I got to be honest, from a neutral perspective, I was a little disappointed in what I saw from the Tigers. Yeah, and, you know, I've <laughs> obviously I don't think that we have that path, but, you know, I've looked at all the avenues, and that'll I'll be keeping an eye on that Ole Miss-Texas A&M game this week because if Ole Miss can pull that out, then Auburn's right back in the thick of things, and an a, and a uh, Alabama dub would still put us in Atlanta. So uh, there's still a, a chance of that. But, you know, going back to what I saw this weekend, it was kind of same old, same old. Defense looked really good throughout the game. Um, it was 3-3 or 3-6, I think, at the beginning of the fourth quarter. They really put us in a position where any other game we probably would have been able to pull out the dub. But we saw classic Bo Nix. You know, we, we had like kind of a flea flicker designed. He dropped the ball. Nothing negative came of it, but he just couldn't get focused after that. He was rattled, ended up fumbling, and giving up a scoop and score in the next play. And then things just – you could just feel kind of the air go out of the game at that point. And it, it really just kind of ended it for us. Yeah, well, I talked about kind of classic Auburn last week in terms of rough start to the season, non-conference loss, play a couple games close that they probably shouldn't have, but then start to gain momentum as they go on. Well, another classic Auburn trope is they're just a completely different team on the road than they are at home. And, you know, a credit to A&M, like that's, A&M's a good team and that's a hard place to play. I mean, 100 plus thousand in Kyle Field ain't no joke, but... 
Yeah, you're right. Bo Nix especially kind of is a physical embodiment of that Auburn being very different on the home, very different on the road. I don't have his stats in front of me of what the, the juxtaposition would be between those two, but um, yeah, he's he's not nearly as as dangerous a weapon. Like Under the lights at Jordan-Hare, kind of those crazy runaround plays just seem to work more but you know when you get when you get on the road and against a hostile crowd where where maybe he's not able to communicate with his o-line and get protections and with the receivers you start to start to see him get those happy feet again and uh and that and that takes an am defense again not to take anything away from them because they've been the best unit on that team for most of the year um didn't really show it against against alabama in that shootout but got some stops when they needed to so um i definitely as a as a Georgia fan who's already seen the dogs book their ticket to to Atlanta after I think not even this week after last week you know I'm kind of trying to decide who of these three teams A&M Auburn and Alabama I'd rather play I definitely think it's it's one of A&M or Auburn but I think it's I'm, I'm rooting for you guys the rest of the way because I think we'd do it to you in Atlanta if, if you got Ugh. back um, as much as they say about hard to beat a good team twice but um you know, whenever I think about that, I always actually go back to speaking of Auburn. Um, in 2010, Auburn beat South Carolina in the regular season, and then got them again in the SEC championship, and I think beat them even worse in Atlanta than they yeah. did the first time. So, um, but we'll see. So, speaking of the dogs, they handle business against Missouri. Don't cover actually. Not that I bet on them, but I lost money other ways. So don't worry. But uh, but yeah, really quickly on the dogs, like man, they, I think they ended up rushing for over 160 yards, which sounds great on paper but again just just watching this this Georgia offensive line week in week out they're not moving people off the ball and I feel like this is the third or fourth week in a row I've I've said this after watching this play and I'm really starting to get concerned about that because in years past that was the one thing on any Georgia team even the lesser successful ones that you never had to worry about was their run game like if it all came down to it if the defense could play well and the game situation stayed as such that we could still run the ball, you know, not trailing by multiples of possessions or anything. You always felt pretty good. But this year, it's really, it's really, it's strange to say, but I think Georgia offensively is only going to go as far as the quarterback can take us. And I don't love saying that with what options we've got at the moment. Um, but looking at the stat sheet here, again, I think in total, um, yeah, Georgia ended up rushing for, yeah, 168 yards, but. Zamir White, who's by far like the bell cow of the of the offensive running back, you know, backfield, nine rushes for fourteen yards. Like a lot of these first and second down rushes for Georgia, Missouri was just stuffing them. And Missouri is ranked outside the top one hundred in terms of rushing yards given up per game. So, you know, this really should have been a, a week to get the running game on track. Now, Georgia's offense has always used a lot of running backs, and so like necessarily looking at the stats of one guy. You know, doesn't tell the full story. Because looking here at the stats, let's see, two, four, six, eight players. If you count uh, Stetson Bennett, had a rush um, in this game. So, you know, it, overall it ended up pretty good. But no one particular player had more than forty-one yards rushing, which is, which is not ideal for the dogs. I know I'm finding a way to complain about a about a forty-three to six win. But if there is one good thing, you know, to really take from it uh, from a dog's fan perspective is like. After the game, basically every player and Kirby himself acknowledged, like, we didn't play all that well. And so I like at least that they're getting these opportunities to get exposed even just a tiny bit and, like, a little – like it's almost like getting a vaccine. You know, the idea oh. of a vaccine is they give you, like, a tiny bit of the disease so that your body can get <laughs> used a, to it. 
a minuscule dose of adversity that you Yeah, we're getting just the tiniest little bit. I mean, we did trail for a point in the first <laughs> quarter, so we're but I'm worried that we haven't gotten enough of enough. We need a booster of adversity like cuz I don't know if if come Atlanta or come the college football playoff it'll be enough. Yeah, I, I know you mentioned the uh, the quarterback play of, of the game. I know also that JT Daniels got a little bit of uh, PT late down the stretch. Uh, not saying it's garbage time, but it's hard to kind of look at that and have a gauge. But what would you say? Do you think that they're going to stick with Stetson Bennett throughout the remainder of the schedule, or do you think that they're going to try to ease Daniels back into the lineup? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I genuinely have no idea, and I'm not even sure at this point what I would do if given – the choice um i think just talent wise and and ceiling wise like ability jt is still better but when he's missed i mean what is it at this point how many games is that like let's see missed florida kentucky auburn arkansas i think vandy and parts of south carolina so we're talking about five or six games here you know so in a perfect world i think we'd get jt let him have the reins probably at least for Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech because um, we do have a tough trip to Knoxville next week, which I I would be shocked if JT Daniels started that game because I think that's a game where one that Georgia should win as long as they get consistent quarterback play, even if it's not great. And I think Stetson Bennett at the very least can give you consistently average, um, which is probably all it's going to take to beat Tennessee. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh it's weird. It's just, I guess it's just gonna be week week by week. Um, I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping one guy makes a statement one way or the other. You know, like I really, you know, I'm not one of these fans who just hates to see Stetson do it because we have bad memories of him from last year. Like, you know, if he can be the guy, I'm all for it. I just want somebody to become the clear, you know, better better option, and I'm worried that's not gonna happen. Um, well, it must be nice to have two viable options at least. <laughs> I wouldn't know that feeling. Well, that it's what you know what they say. If you've got two quarterbacks, you've got none. So yeah, that's true. Um, I think Bama anyway. would have something to say about that. Yeah, I think Bama had something <laughs> to say. Twenty nineteen. I might be hoping that we pull pull a uh, a true Georgia uh, curse breaker and play Alabama in the SEC championship. Mm. Stetson in the first half doesn't do great. Put in JT and we come back and win in the second <laughs> half. That would be pretty cool. Oh man, um, that'd be the media guy's dream right there. Yeah. But. A man, a man can dream. But anyway, elsewhere, man, I hate Michigan State. They were a part of a big reason why I lost some money. Um, and I just, God, the Big Ten. I'm never putting any faith in the Big Ten ever again. I, <laughs> I had very little to begin with. Um, but at this point, they're all frauds. Ohio State, you're a fraud too. None of none of them deserve to be in a college football playoff. Um, that's my stance. Um, Michigan State going down. Purdue claims yet another number. God forbid you have to go into Lafayette, Indiana, and take on the Boilermakers, man, because they apparently are freaking world beaters if you're ranked inside the top three. Um, But, yeah, they go down. Ohio State doesn't look great um, in a win over Nebraska. Where are you at with the Big Ten right now? I I guess we're still thinking Ohio State's the team to beat, but – I just I don't I'm sick and tired of it really I just am annoyed. You know, it, it's it, at this point it's kind of just seems like Georgia is the only team in the country that's actually playing defense. You know I mean Oklahoma and Big Twelve is just all offense. Ohio State same way. I agree. I think they're probably still the toast of that conference. 
But once again, they give up like 30, 40 points a game, which doesn't matter because they can put up 50, but that's not going to be the case when we get into the playoffs. So I agree. I think they are still the team to beat and the team that's going to come out of that conference, I guess, the least scathed. But I don't know if I feel pretty good about them in the playoffs in that spot. Yeah, so you got Michigan still hanging around there. Um, And, like, what I will say about Michigan, and believe me, I'm not a Harbaugh proponent. I don't know if I've made that clear on this podcast. probably have at some point. But um, he is fraud numero uno, like public enemy number one for me in terms of (laughs) guys I don't respect. But they've got a chance to still play their way in if they can beat Ohio State and then go on and win a Big Ten championship. But... Again, at this point, I'm just I'm just thinking about who I would rather see Georgia play, um, yeah. and at the, that's why I was rooting for Michigan State because I really think Georgia would handle them pretty easily. But Iowa disappointed me on that front, and now Michigan State does it again. So I don't even know who I'm rooting for. But Ohio State they get they kind of start their their tough stretch to end the season with at Penn State this week, um, and of course everybody knows about the big one um, against against Michigan to end the year, but. Elsewhere in top four shakeups, well, I guess not really a shakeup so much, but I want to talk about Oklahoma because with Michigan losing, you know, with Cincinnati not looking great against Tulsa, OU was on a bye, so they're by default probably going to move up a little bit just as those teams drop out. Um, but I want to get a little preview, so like a little a little three window, three week window preview here from you, late. So Oklahoma on a bye, but they're heading into what their entire schedule is really built around coming in to end the season. At Baylor next week, who Baylor was ranked um, relatively high in the rankings, I think as high you know inside the top 15, 17, but they lose to TCU last week. But they go at Baylor this upcoming week. Then Iowa State at home, who just blew the doors off of Texas in Austin. And then to end the year, they travel to Oklahoma State, who will probably be inside the top 10 when they play. So I know we've had a bit of an OU talk before this, but as we kind of get closer to the to the sharp end of things in the in the playoff scenarios, what are what are we thinking about OU and their potential to in the absence of a Big Ten team really staking a claim to one of those top four spots, do you see Oklahoma getting through this three game stretch and and really taking ownership of number three or number four? Uh I, I do see him doing it and let me just say this this three game stretch is crucial. I mean, we've already seen what the college football playoff committee has said about Oklahoma. They don't value their schedule at all. So they're not going to be able to afford dropping one here. Whereas you can see like an even an Ohio State or an Oregon can come out of the season with one loss and still be a potential playoff candidate. Uh, the Big 12 just doesn't have that luxury for the top team. So I think this is going to be something we're going to have to see Oklahoma win out. But if they do, that's two, I think, two ranked teams that they'll play. I think it'll land them in the play out. And if I had to pick one of those three that I would worry about the most, I think I would go with that Iowa state team, just because that Texas offense, that's a good offense. They can put up a lot of points on you in a hurry. And I think it's the most, I guess, similar looking offense that you can compare to that Oklahoma team. And if Iowa state was able to handle them, it's going to be interesting to see how they do against this Oklahoma team. Yeah. Again, I think I agree. If OU, they can't afford to drop any of these. I don't think, um, but we talked a little bit about college football playoff rankings. Before we move on to a little bit of NFL, week two of the rankings comes out tomorrow night as we record this on a Monday evening. So last week went, I think, largely as, as a lot of people expected. Maybe Cincinnati a little lower than people thought. But Georgia 1, Alabama 2, Michigan State 3, Oregon 4, Ohio State 5, 
and Cincinnati six. Now Michigan State losing, obviously expect them to drop back. Cincinnati, a lot of people felt they were disrespected last week. I happen to not really disagree a ton with that, although I think they were undervalued for their win over Notre Dame, um, who remains a top 10 team. And then you got Wake Forest, who I don't think was ever really in the conversation, but they were number nine as an undefeated team. We haven't really talked about them. They lost to North Carolina this week. So when I look at this top four, again, I don't really expect Alabama to drop out. I mean, they won, but a really unconvincing win from them. Um, But somebody's got to come in and fill that spot that Michigan State vacated. I happen to think Oregon um, may jump as high as two because I just think the committee may – I mean, who knows? We'll see how much that Bama bias is worth. But I don't – I mean, I think just Oregon – again, you got to respect the hell out of that win over Ohio State. But, again, it doesn't really matter where Alabama is at this point of the season because, again, they have to beat Auburn and they have to win the SEC championship to go. But what do you think – what what should we expect as far as a shakeup at the top um, now that Michigan State is dropping out and kind of how does that th- number three and number four shake out for you? Yeah, I think looking at this, you're right. I think Bama will get jumped and they'll fall into that three spot. Uh, I don't know whether it's going to be Ohio State or Oregon. Uh, I still think that Cincinnati, I mean, they had the lights on them last week and they still played a close game against a Tulsa team that's not very good. So I don't think – I understand the case that maybe they're being undervalued, but I think if you go back and look at their schedule, they played way too many close games for anyone to look at them and think they're one of the top four teams in the playoff. And at yeah, this well, point, it's pretty clear that the committee's doing the eye test. So, yeah. And well, let me say, I like I don't think Cincinnati as a whole is undervalued. I think that going into last week, that that Notre Dame win has been a bit undervalued. Like people have just kind of shugged that off as not being a good win. But again, their Notre Dame is still in the top ten. The only you know, prior to Michigan State beating Michigan, the only other win over a top ten team of teams that are currently in the top ten was Oregon over Ohio State. So, but I'm with you. Like you can't, and I don't know if you saw how Cincinnati beat Tulsa, but they basically had to get really lucky defending their own goal line with under two minutes left to win that game. So I don't, I don't completely disagree with you there. Yeah, but so that I think the two spot it's going to be is it either Ohio State or Oregon? I think. That Stanford loss that Oregon took is starting to look really, really bad because it's become apparent that that, Stan- that Stanford team is not good. I mean, Utah put up like what, 50-something points. They had three guys go over 100 yards. I watched some of that game the other night, and it was just – you look at that and you think, how does Oregon lose to a team like this? So I think despite the fact that Oregon has the head-to-head on Ohio State, I think that Ohio State is going to take that number two spot once things come together. Uh, nah, I, I hope not. But I also disagree because I really don't think a loss, especially one that's already pretty bad, I just don't think there's any way it gets worse as that team loses. You know, like at a certain point, you're putting more stock in a team that's not the team you're talking about's performances than you are what Oregon is actually doing, you know. And I believe me, I'm not trying to give them a ton of credit for beating Washington on the road or anything. But ultimately – it's about what Oregon does from here on out and what they have done since that loss and what they did do before that loss. Like, I don't think the committee's watching a ton of Stanford tape to see how much they should add on punishment for that loss. I don't think like, I think it was bad and it's been bad and it's going to look bad, but like, I don't really see, like, I don't, I don't really see Stanford's record from here on out mattering at all in terms of what that affects, how that affects Oregon. Cause they, cause it's a bad loss, but is what it is. But I don't know. The the question for me is, will Oregon be two? But 
either way, are we both pretty much in agreement that it becomes in some order Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, and Ohio State in that top four, though? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's fair. Yeah, I just don't see how you could – the only other team you could think about putting in there is maybe Cincinnati, but no, not not with what they've shown. And then Oklahoma, yeah, they're still undefeated, but you can't – you don't jump them from eight to four when they didn't even play a game last week. So, yeah, I think, I think that's what we'll see. Now, a point I do want to make real quick, looking towards the back of that – that top 10. So the Wake Forest going down at number nine, Auburn and Texas A&M were ranked 13 and 14 respectively going into that game this week in the AP poll. Now I think Texas A&M is 11 and they've got Ole Miss this week, who's going to be 12, but I think we could see A&M potentially jump inside the top 10 um, in these playoff rankings. Cause that's the best win that anybody had last week. Um, and you know, you look at with Wake Forest going down Notre Dame, I think they played Navy, Oklahoma State, I don't remember exactly, but like, you know, I think certainly, if not after this week, if they can beat Ole Miss, then they will certainly be ranked inside the top 10 in a couple weeks' time. Yeah, I mean, we saw Michigan State lose, uh, and then there's, I think, obviously we won, they'll replace us, but also that uh, that Baylor team lost too. So that's kind of just without even jumping anyone, they already fought, go up to number 11 in the AP. So I think if we go with the eye test again, uh, with what the committee seems to be going, I think you're right. I think that we do see them inside that top 10 standing. Yeah, and I don't personally know any AM fans, but man, they've got to be kicking themselves for that Mississippi State loss. I mean, <laughs> they would be sitting real pretty right now um, with what, with the inside track to Atlanta and just the one just the one loss um, to to Arkansas, which that it doesn't look good at this moment either. But you know, we'll we'll see what the Aggies can do as we get on the stretch, but. Real quick, talk some NFL. It's, man, time has really gotten away from us. We might have to we might have to really speed run through the soccer here or leave it out altogether. But week nine in the NFL, bad weekend to bet the favorites. Upset of the year. Jags take down the Bills nine to six. Lay been talking up Buffalo throughout the history of this pod, um, which granted isn't very long. But are they still your Super Bowl favorites, or, or what are we thinking about the Bills' chances after a really inexplicable loss? Uh, I don't know. It's hard for me to be down on him after one game, but, uh, you know, this was a game that really just I, – I don't know. The NFL this year has just been wild. There's been so many games like this. It's um, I'm hesitant to sit here and say that the Bills are no longer my favorite because of one game when it seems like there's just been a pool of them all over the place. So I'm just going to chalk this up to the NFL is crazy this year. I think the Bills are still kind of the team to beat in the AFC. Well, yeah, they weren't even the only weird loss of this week. You got the Raiders right. losing at the Giants. The Browns beat down the Bengals, which I did call, by the way, and got one over on mm. you in our, in our picks there. But um, yeah. Bengals, two weeks ago, were the number one team in the AFC by record. They now lost two straight, one to the Jets, and then destroyed by the Browns, um, who's, who've got OBJ literally quitting on the team midseason. So, um, <laughs> then... Close second behind the Bills for the big upset of the week. The Cowboys dominated at home by a Denver team that hasn't shown much. Yeah, they started the year 3-0, and but against, I think they played the Giants, the Jets, and the Jags to get out to that 3-0 and start, and since then have not been a very good team. Um, and again, a team that Von Miller was excited to uh, to be getting out and joining the Rams, and then they turn around and lose to a Derrick Henry-less Titans Um who pick up Adrian Peterson out of the nursing home and he gets a touchdown and they beat the Rams in LA. I don't know what to make of any of this though, Lath, but of the big teams that went down this week, is are, is it the Bills that you're still the most confident in? Yeah, I think the Bills are the team that 
you can just look at this and say that it's a massive outlier. I mean, we've seen the way they've played and the defense still played well. It's just kind of a stifling of the offense and that proves to be something that doesn't happen normally with them. So I would still look at them and think that they're the favorite down on in the stretch. All right. Well, real quick before we uh, uh, get to a speed run of the soccer here, I want to play a little bit of fantasy catch up. We haven't talked about it in a few weeks, but one of curious your thoughts on what my chances are here, Lay. So bad week of fantasy really all around. I can't speak for other people's leagues, but in my league, like very few teams put up what are characteristically like winning scores. Um, I certainly didn't have a great week, but my opponent had an even worse one. But he's got uh, Claypool going tonight for the Steelers, and I'm up 21 points but have nobody left. So I need, I'm needing to root against Claypool here. I looked at his, his season record. The most points he's gotten all season is 24 um, but he's wide receiver, like ranked in the 40s. I think he averages closer to like 13 to 15 points. Just any any fantasy analysis for me, or how how hopeful I should be that I get the dub here. I mean, what this is against Chicago, right? Yeah, she's playing tonight. Yeah, I, I would feel pretty confident in it. I mean, it would be him being the star of the show uh, if he were to get those points, and I don't know if I see that happening. I am. I do have to say this though, I'm a little frustrated with you. You had a chance in our other. You had a chance in our other league to kind of keep one of these guys in the dirt, a guy that's going to be a, a problem for my team down in the stretch, and you didn't set your lineup. What, well, listen, what was that about? Come on, listen. Man. In Can't my defense, and I know, I know. In my defense, there is no defending really, not setting your lineup because that's rule number one of fantasy. But I will say, if you look at my bench, there's not really anybody I could have put in that would have that would have helped me. I would have had to make some waiver moves. But you're right, I, I failed to notice that the Buccaneers were on by, and I have Tom Brady and um, and Antonio Brown in my starting lineup, who neither of them played, obviously. So, uh, yeah, that's on me. But, you know, <laughs> Making things difficult for me. Mm. Nothing, nothing more I can say. All right, uh, no break this time. I'm going to go right to soccer. Um, kind of want to get through some – we had some Champions League last week. Uh, I wasn't actually able to watch any of it, but – um, kept an eye on the Premier League at the weekend. And pr- the Premier League, as usual, continues to be just the most fascinating and competitive league up at the top, at least. Um, Manchester City, as we predicted, handling um, the red half of Manchester in the Derby. Um, or Derby, excuse me. Uh, American pronunciation there. Can't do that. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, City win 2-0. Masterclass by Pep, as I pr- potentially hinted at, for him to try to beat United but also keep Ole's job so that United would... Uh, would continue to suffer there. Um, any any surprise there from you, Lay, that it was only 2-0, or you thought it was going to be worse? Oh, you know, it might not have been a master class because I think I saw a stat uh, that, that uh, Manchester City or Manchester United was only able to reach the penalty box twice uh, over the entire span of the game. So when you've got all the attacking talent that they have, you got to sit back and kind of say there's something wrong at the managerial level. It's almost like, hey, this is, this is the hardball of soccer is Ola at this point. The dude is just, he's right on the verge and he's just not falling off somehow. Yeah, well, City gained some ground with that as Chelsea dropped points to Burnley. Um, and West Ham, man, like, Arsenal have to play them in a few weeks. They're no joke. Like, they are every bit as competitive in that top four as anybody. And they beat Liverpool 3-2. Um, they've looked really strong so far this season. Declan Rice has is probably the front runner for... Um, I guess I don't know if he'd be young player of the year at this point. I'm not sure how old he is. I think he's like right around the threshold for for who can win that. But 
I mean, basically ranks number one in all the midfield stats in terms of like interceptions, tackles won, passes completed, stuff like that. So he's having a phenomenal season um, for the Hammers. And then Arsenal, you know, the good teams find a way to win ugly, and they did that uh, at home against Watford. Really should have put that game to bed. Had a lot of chances. Actually had a a really interesting offside decision. Is like. Normally, I'd be super pissed to see an Arsenal goal get ruled offside, but I'd actually never seen this, and I learned something in my decade of watching soccer almost. Um, a situation where the Watford keeper, Ben Foster, actually has a great TikTok presence, by the way, if, for those interested. He's pretty funny. But rushes out of his goal to kind of clear uh, a, a long ball into the box, hits it out. So now he's you know almost out to the edge of his box. Watford defender does what defenders are taught to do, gets on the goal line to get there to potentially block a shot with his body if he can. Um, ball gets out to Aubameyang, who passes it forward to Saka, who's on his right, who is behind the goalkeeper because the goalkeeper has rushed out. But obviously the defender on the goal line is there between him. He scores. I, ne- I always knew that the letter of the offside law is that, you know, the the goal-scoring player, the ball, the player that the – that is receiving the ball cannot be beyond the second to last defender when it's received. I didn't know that extended to goalkeepers though. I thought for some reason I thought like, Oh, if somebody's on the goal line, like you're good. But basically if your goalkeeper is not the furthest guy behind, if he's the second to last defender, he's treated just like a center back. And so Saka was actually ruled offside because it was a forward pass and he was standing behind Ben Foster when that happened. So I actually didn't know that that's how it worked. I'm not sure if you did either though. No, I, I had not hold, heard that rule. I just assumed if the goalkeeper was out of position, then they were screwed across the board, yeah. but I guess not. Yeah, so Arsenal end up winning 1-0, though, so all is good. Things hey, are good but, uh, for your uh, for your team, too, Labo. You got, you got something else on Arsenal for you? Oh, you I was on? just going to say, I was looking at the table. I couldn't find Arsenal. It didn't occur to me to look up to the top five, and I saw them sitting yeah. there getting it done. Um, but, uh, yeah, Bayern, uh, I do want to touch on the um, – the Champions League game that we played before the last league game and if you ever get a chance just sit down and watch the highlights of that game because it had a little bit of everything uh Sané volley had a Nabry back heel a Lewandowski hat trick and it's it kind of seems like it's back to business for Bayern the defense looks a lot better and I'm starting to get a lot more optimistic that things are back on the right track so positive things for me in the soccer world this week yeah didn't I had a feeling it wouldn't be too long yeah Bayern just just ultimately too strong um then elsewhere in the league roundup, draw in the away days derby with uh, between Inter and AC Milan. Mm. To be honest, we we both picked our respective teams to win, but we really should have seen that draw coming, though. Like, Milan is well ahead of Inter in the standings right now, but at the same time, I don't think either of them are all that convincing. So I think this really had the makings of a, of a draw, and that's exactly what we got uh, 1-1. Yeah, I agree. I think, was this where we... Neither of us felt real confident uh, last week making the pick, yeah. and I guess that's what the team said. You know what? I'm not, I'm not winning this one either. Let's just let's just draw and be done with it. So yeah. I'll take so, it, I guess. So yeah, Milan holds on. I think they're up up in the top three, whereas Inter, I think Inter are only like fifth, but it's a good amount of points back of of the leaders. So um, missing, perhaps missing the likes of Hakimi and and Lukaku, but. Elsewhere in the UCL, match day four has concluded. Now just two games left in the tournament. But I got an interesting stat here for you, Lath. You should have read the uh, pre-show doc, and that's what I'm on about here. But So Cristiano Ronaldo 
in their game against Atlanta. Again, another late goal from him saves United and, again, probably saves Ole's job once again. But an interesting stat about um, Ronaldo's time with United in the Champions League this season. If you were to take out Ronaldo's goals in the UCL that have come after the 80th minute, which I think is all of them, but if not all of them, by far the majority. If you take out his goals that he scored in the Champions League after the 80th minute, United would have five fewer points and be at the bottom of their group with two draws and two losses. Like, they'd be behind young boys, who they actually did lose to even with with Ronaldo, but He's been he's coming so clutch with late winners and late late equalizers like they would be done and over with in terms of getting out of this group if not for him. Hey, I'm curious. Uh, did you see this stat somewhere, or did you do the dirty work and figure this one out on your own? <laughs> so I saw something that referred to that stat, but I, but it's something that I would have come to on my own because like I don't watch these United games, but I swear like every time I check it. You just click the score and you see Ronaldo with an 86 next to his name, or an 82, or a 90, or yeah. a 90 plus one. Like I'm just like, golly, like I don't hate United, but I root against them, and most chances that I get. So I'm like, I'm hoping for a lot of these <laughs> games to go the other way, and here he comes just to just to rescue him. So I'm just slightly annoyed, but yeah, I thought I thought that was a wild stat. Yeah, I thought it's a really telling stat, and it goes back again to Ola just not getting the most out of his players. You know, when you got Ronaldo doing Ronaldo things and having to save you time and time again. I think it becomes clear to me, at least, that the guy at the top is not putting the team in a position to win, and I think that would warrant a look from uh, the top brass, I guess you'd say. Yeah, and then, again, two matches left to go, so we're going to start to see a lot of uh, you know, knockout-clinching scenarios as we come through, but through four games, just a few teams have been the first um, to cement their spot in the knockouts, all by basically wrapping up first place in their group. Liverpool automatically going through Ajax as well, Bayern and Juve, who I don't think either of us thought would would, you know, be up there in terms with Bayern as as far as the first teams to wrap up their groups. Um but they've while they've not been uh strong in Syria, I mean they're firmly mid table at the moment. They've been handling UCL pretty well, so they're in there. But we'll have a lot of a lot of interesting things left to go. I'm hoping Sheriff can somehow Hold on, but they're they're leaking they're leaking gas really bad in their group, so they they need to get a result here at the end if they want to go through. But two matches left to play in the next you know several weeks as that Champions League kind of schedule pacing occurs here. But all right, time to make some picks as we got just a few minutes um, left here. We'll start with soccer while we're on that top matches this weekend in the Premier League. Been talking about this one for a few weeks. Arsenal get their first real test since they traveled. Um, or excuse me, since they hosted Spurs, and maybe that really wasn't even a test at this point. But they go to Anfield to take on Liverpool. As much as I'm loving Arsenal, what they've been doing, unbeaten in their last 10 matches, unbeaten in their last, I think, seven or eight in the Premier League, um, I just don't have the confidence to pick them to go into Anfield and win. That doesn't happen very often. Um, I'm just hoping it's not ugly. I don't really think it'll be. I think Liverpool wins 2-0. Uh, yeah, I think Liverpool gets the dub, but I do think Arsenal gets on the board. I think they'll give up three, but they're going to get a point uh, on the score sheet at least. 3-1 mm. Liverpool. I don't know which I'd prefer, a 2-0 or a 3-1. <laughs> Got to see you always like to see, You always like to see him score, but like our defense is pretty good. I think we could only give up two maybe. We'll see. Um, of course, under Arteta, we've had some surprise results against Liverpool. Um, oh. Beat him in the FA Cup last year so. Um, then in Serie A, Napoli at Inter. Um, Napoli has looked really strong, but I just 
Inter love a good draw, man. The few games of them I do watch, they always draw, so I'm backing them to get a 1-1-er here. Yeah, I, I was thinking that, but it's also weird for me to see back-to-back draws, so I'm going with Napoli 2-1 at the end of the day. And then lastly, I think our first League One pick of the season, um, <laughs> and it's not PSG, even bigger shock, but there's that just shows really that there's not a ton of great games going on this weekend in the soccer world. Marseille at Lyon, um, battle of some of the historic blue bloods in France. I'm picking 2-2 because I just really don't know what else to do. But, yeah, I like a draw. Yeah, I saw this, and I kind of did double take. I was like, what, what, what is this? Oh, yeah, Marseille and Lyon, this, those are football clubs. But I'm going uh, Lyon 2-1 at this one. I think they're a little bit better. All right, and then switching over to football, top college games. Got some pretty good ones this week. Number nine, Michigan. They headline the Big 12, excuse me, Big 10 slate, traveling to Penn State. The Nittany Lions are actually one-point favorites at home, the unranked team over the top 10 team here. I really, I guess at this point I'm pulling for Michigan because I'd like anybody other than Ohio State to get into that playoff, but it feels weird for me to say pulling for Michigan. But I really don't have a good feel for this, but I, I guess I just got to go, got to go Michigan 24-21. Yeah, I, you know, this is their Penn State's second wideout of the year. And Harbaugh going to Harbaugh. This is the ranked matchup. I got Penn State winning this one 31-24. But see, does the Harbaugh going to Harbaugh apply if Harbaugh has already Harbaughed this season already? And likely <laughs> to Harbaugh again against Ohio State. So, like, what? does he does he go full <laughs> Harbaugh and do it three times in a season? Or is, is two? I think I'm kind of thinking it's just going to be two. I don't think Harbaugh's are a very scarce uh, asset. No, so I think yeah, they're I, not. They're not. <laughs> I, I think he's got enough in him to be able to see three hardballs at the end of the year. See if he can pull it out. <laughs> I think he does, too. I won't be all that disappointed if, if he does. But uh, Then in the Big 12, probably the game of the week, number four, Oklahoma, coming off their bye week, travels to number now 18 in the AP poll. We'll see what they are in the playoff. But number 18, Baylor. Baylor just five-point underdogs at home. I don't really have a ton of confidence in either of these teams, but I guess I have less in Baylor plus OU coming off the bye I think they win the only way OU can in games like this, and that's with a lot of points given up. But I think they win 41-34. Yeah, I think this Oklahoma team is probably the best offense in college football right now. Caleb Williams' stat line last week, 406 passing yards, six touchdowns. That's video game numbers. I think he should get a little bit more respect in the Heisman race. I got them winning this one, uh, 45-32. Maybe uh, don't be close with Kansas and you'll get some Heisman respects, but that's just – that's just a thought. And then lastly, number 11, Texas A&M. God, grueling schedule for them to kind of in the last quarter of the year here. Just coming off a, a big one against Auburn. Now they travel to number 12, Ole Miss. The Rebels are one-point underdogs at home. I, like, I'm actually kind of liking A&M the past few weeks. Like, I think they're really starting to play pretty good football, which, you know, I'm actually considering betting on A&M in real life here, which almost guarantees that Ole Miss is going to win. Um, knowing my knowing my record here, but do I don't it. know. I, I, I like A and M here though. I, I I find it hard to believe that they're not going to go in there and get this win when they have so much to play for. Where Ole Miss at this point, yeah, they're number twelve, but their path to Atlanta is basically non-existent. I like the Aggies here. I agree. I think A and M is one of the few teams that have actually gotten better each week and not fluctuated too much. Um, rooting for Ole Miss though, got to say this. I really, that's Auburn's last chance. So rooting for them. But I think A&M wins this one 34-27. And I hope and I then, just jinxed them uh, by saying that. So, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, if I bet on them, then you can bet your ass that the jinx is in full effect. Mm. Um, 
And lastly, in the NFL, Vikings at Chargers. Chargers coming off a big one. They were the only bet I won this week, actually, um, against Philadelphia this past weekend. But Vikings travel to L.A. to take on the Chargers. Chargers are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Vikings looked pretty good against the Ravens last week, um, covered that spread. I, I think, you know, say what you want about Kirk Cousins, but with him and Dalvin Cook, and especially, you know, with Justin Jefferson not having quite the year he did last year, but him and Thielen, like, that's a good offense. Um, I Something about the Chargers just – I want believe me, I want them to be good because I got Eckler on my fantasy team. But I had something about this game. I think I like the Vikings to get a win here, 34-32. Uh, I'm going Chargers. Uh, this Vikings team is a team that really relies on the play action, and Chargers are going to stop the run, I think, or I think they're going to focus there. So it's going to force Cousins, who you're right, is decent, uh, into passing a lot more than I think they want to. I think Chargers get it done 27-24. Next one might, again, for those inclined – might be an opportunity to hop on an early line here if it's still available. Seahawks at Packers. At the time of writing these lines down earlier in the day, Packers were five-and-a-half-point favorites, but that was before the news announced, which I had hoped and assumed would be the case, that Russell Wilson has been cleared to play in this game. Now, it still depends on how his hand is feeling. He may not still feel up to it, but in terms of, you know, his doctor said his hand will be medically sound to compete in this game. With that said, though, Aaron Rodgers will be back for the Packers. I think they definitely would have won that game against the Chiefs yesterday if they'd had him and not Jordan Love. Um, so I think the Packers get a bounce back win here, 30-28. to Yeah, that was the key for me because I wasn't sure about Rodgers, but knowing that he's back, I think he got to give it to him. 31-28 Packers. Wow, one point of difference total. Yeah. In your hey, I told you, I don't look at your picks before, so... We're on the same lines right here. I would say great minds think alike, <laughs> but when I look at our season record, we're uh, uh, each nah, nah. well under 500 in the NFL. <laughs> so, um, lastly, Chiefs at Raiders battling the AFC West. Raiders coming off a tough loss. Um, Chiefs again a win over the Packers, but the Raiders two and a half point underdogs at home. I just haven't been convinced by the Chiefs all season. I think this is a bounce back opportunity for the Raiders. They like playing in that fancy new stadium in Las Vegas. I like the Raiders uh, to get a win here, 26-24. Yeah, you know, it kind of – the trend this year seems to be when you start to doubt a team, that's when they come and grab that win in front of you. You know, the Raiders have been dealing with a lot this week in terms of rugs, and then I think they released a first-round draft pick either earlier today or yesterday. So I think there's a lot going on, but they, they steer clear, win 30-27. to 27. All right, those are your picks, and we will have to wrap it up here with Monday Night Football kicking off here in just a moment. But, again – 21 points chase claypool come on you don't you don't want to score that many you really you really don't i'll give you just just settle for a nice like 17 that's like a touchdown and three or four catches and they'll be all right no reason to get any more than that all right catch you on the next one